0: Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast from Guy Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. This message from our Sunday church service is part of the resources we provide as we seek to see lives changed by Jesus. You could also listen to our Big Three podcast, a conversation that unpacks three big questions raised from sermons like this one. You can find more information about Guy Baptist Church as well as discipleship resources and an opportunity to join us in person or online on our website.
1: The Bible reading today comes from 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 8 to 18. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint—oh, sorry, hang on. (laughs) And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him.
0: Well, hi, church. Hello, hello, it is good to see you here. Hello to the onliners and anyone listening later on in the podcast, g'day to you. Um, We have had a bit of a journey looking at the courageous life for the last few weeks and uh, what a journey it has been. And one of the reasons we thought we'd look at this this concept of courage actually has to do with our purpose statement as a church. all churches basically have the same purpose statement, but they just kind of reframe them and, and adjust them for their own community. I mean, Jesus, when he was uh, going back to heaven in, in Matthew chapter 28, said to his followers, he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, so every church has basically the same purpose, which is that the world might come to know Jesus. And um, here we are uh, with our purpose statement. And our purpose statement, I think maybe, Uh, The team might even be able to put it up on the screen behind me magically, uh, if they can get their tech working. Yes, they have. Well done there. It's uh, to be a community of faith who courageously take up the invitation of God the Father to participate with Him in uh, in His grand plan to restore all things in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. So a lovely Trinitarian purpose statement. And it always struck me that that Uh, to take up the invitation of God, to step into what God has for us, requires courage. Um, And so here we've we've gone over the last few weeks looking at people from the Old Testament who have taken up God's invitation and that has required courage. We've heard about Abraham, we've heard about Ruth, Esther. Uh, We've heard about Isaac. Uh, Last week, we we heard about Jonathan. And if you've missed any of these, you can grab them on the podcast uh, because they're they're great words to to inspire courage in our hearts. And today, we're going to have a look at three stories from the life of Elijah the prophet where he he displays courage, he is discouraged, and then he is encouraged again. So that's where we're heading if if that's what you want to know. But I um, was thinking about um, what, what is courage. And Mark Twain, the famous American author and poet, uh, says courage is this courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the judgment that something is more important than fear. Courage is a priority piece. It's okay to be afraid, but it's about where our priorities lie. What's more important than sitting in that fear? Another thing about courage, it has a heart element to it. It has a heart piece to it. Courage, the word we use, actually comes from a Latin term and uh, C-O-R is, is the Latin and that actually means heart. And Spanish speakers will say, "corazon," uh, which is, is to be hearted, it's for the heart and it's the physical heart, but it's also about being wholehearted, putting your whole heart into something. And so courage is about being wholehearted to take heart on something. When we are courageous, we take heart. But courage in the Hebrew imagination is a little bit different again. Um, in, there's a famous verse in Joshua 1, 9, and, and I know a lot of the kids here use that as a memory verse, and it's to be, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that term, uh, to be strong and courageous, God's command to to Joshua, is, is actually about being willing to take action, being willing to take a step of action. So courage in the Hebrew imagination is to take action. So when we want to live that courageous life, it's about discovering what's important. It's about taking heart and it's about Taking action. So that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that in the life of Elijah the prophet. And um, we're in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. If you want to follow along, you can. There's, uh, you can go to the YouVersion app and I've got some notes there and some scriptures uh, for you to follow along with. But here we are in 1 Kings. Let me give you a little uh, whistle-stop tour of where we've come from. God's people have been in captivity. They've been in the Promised Land. Uh, God's raised up a deliverer, Moses. Uh, He's brought them out of captivity, out of slavery, into the Promised Land. Things have gone great. Uh, We've had the high point of of Israel with King David and King Solomon, and it's gone great, but it's all been downhill from there. And uh, where we are now in 1 Kings is there's been a, a bit of a civil war kind of thing, and the nation of Israel that the people of God have actually split into two kingdoms, and we have the northern kingdom of, of Israel, with the capital Samaria, and Ahab and his wife Jezebel are, are ruling in the northern kingdom, and we've got the southern kingdom of Judah, with the capital of Jerusalem. So it's this divided kingdom, and things aren't going well, and, and idolatry is rife, especially in the northern kingdom of, of Israel, and Um, Ahab and Jezebel have slaughtered a whole bunch of the, uh, the Lord's prophets and Jezebel from foreign nations, she's come in and she's got Baal worship and Asherah worship and the people of God are being led astray away from the covenant. And Elijah speaks into that time and he prays that it won't rain in Israel for three years and and it doesn't. Uh, There's no rain because he's prayed for it. And God's provided him with with miraculous um, blessings and provision all the way through. And finally, um, Elijah comes face to face at this point in the scriptures um, in chapter 18, verse uh, 16 and on from there. So if you're following along, 18... Uh, 1 Kings 18, 16, Elijah the prophet comes face to face with the king Ahab, the king of that northern kingdom who's, who's given up the Lord and is just following the Baals and following the other gods. And um, Ahab, the king, comes out to Elijah the prophet and he says, is that you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah says, I've not made trouble for Israel but you and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and you've followed the Baals. Now, he says, summon all the people from all over Israel and meet me on Mount Carmel and bring 400 of the prophets of Baal, or 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherash and uh, and we're gonna have a showdown. That's what we're going to have. You're going to meet me on the mountain and we're going to have a, my God is better than your God because my God's real and your God is not. We're going to have a showdown. And so Elijah says to the people, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If Baal's Baal, then worship Baal. But if the Lord is God, worship the Lord. And they have a very, very famous scene that if you've come up through kid's church or Sunday school, you'll know the showdown on Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal build an altar and they get a bull and they slaughter it up and they put it on their, um, on their altar. And Baal was the, the god of the weather. Uh, he was the one who was meant to be in charge of the rain, which Elijah had prayed and it stopped for three years. And he was the one who was supposed to send thunderbolts and lightning from heaven. Uh, sometimes he was even depicted like Thor with a lightning bolt in his hand. Uh, so this is the guy. And, and all the prophets of Baal all start praying and, and seeking. And, and they even start cutting themselves. And in um, a, a bit of humor, Elijah's heckling from the back. He's, he thinks it's like a comedy show. He's like, speak louder, maybe he's asleep. And nothing, of course, happens in this showdown, nothing happens until the time of the evening sacrifice when it's Elijah's turn and he builds an altar with 12 stones to represent God's uh, 12 tribes of Israel. And he gets the bull and slaughters it. And then he drenches the whole thing in water, not once, not twice, but three times. So the whole thing's saturated, soaking wet. There's a trench around it. And he prays that the people's eyes will be open, that they will see that the Lord is God and not the Baals. And of course, God comes through and he sends uh, fire from heaven down and burns up the sacrifice, burns up the altar, um, even licks up all the water in the trench and it's this incredible moment and the people turn their hearts back to the Lord. They say the Lord is God, the Lord is God and, um, and it's a really high moment. And then uh, Elijah puts the rage in courage uh, because he gets all the people to kill the prophets of Baal. Uh, don't recommend you do that, uh, put the rage in courage like that. And that's what he did. So there we have this, this showdown in this scene. And I was thinking about, well, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and me? As we're trying to live this courageous life, as we're trying to step into what it is that God has for us, we want to be people who who take heart and take action and and partner with God as he renews uh, the world through Jesus Christ. And for a lot of us, it's not going to be dramatic like this, like this scene. We're not called often to to do these incredible feats and public uh, arrangements. Like a lot of the things that we do as believers aren't going to end up on the front page of a newspaper um, for most of us, although it does happen. But we're still called to live the courageous life and to get our priorities in order. And the the part of this scripture that really um, jumped out at me is that time when... Elijah is face-to-face with King Ahab, and Ahab says to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah has to say, I'm not trouble, but you are. And I was thinking about for us, for us as believers, we are sometimes called to be trouble. We're sometimes called to be people that bring about good trouble. It used to be um, a thing that in, in society that to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus was seen as being a good thing and a right thing and a, and a proper thing. And then it kind of moved into being a kind of a benign middle of the road thing. But there's some places and some environments where as a follower of Jesus, you're not seen as being good or benign, but you're actually seen as being dangerous, to be dangerous. And the world will see us as trouble. Is that you, you troubler of Australia? Is that you, you troubler of work, you troubler of uni, you troubler of school? And we need to be people of courage, stepping into those environments where people might see us as trouble. And that can happen in a variety of ways. It could happen in your workplace when everybody else is gossiping and you've chosen to follow the Lord and you're not going to do that. Or you're out, and everyone's drinking, and you've had a drink, but you know where the line is, and you're not going to go further. And sometimes that can be seen as trouble, because you're not doing the same thing that everyone else is. It could be um, taking shortcuts in things, and other people who are comfortable with that will see you as trouble. So it can be things you don't do, but it also might be things that you do do. It could be something that we do do, that we're actually going to step up and we're going to defend the cause of those who are, who are poor, those who are hurting, the marginalized, and we're going to step into the gap, and we're going to defend them. And the people that are um, taking advantage of the poor are going to see us as trouble. They're going to see us as an issue. Sometimes being a troubler is holy work, and it requires us to get our priorities right, to take heart, and to take action. So Elijah does this, and he has this incredible moment. The people's hearts are turned, and, and it's a wonderful thing. But courage can cost, friends. Courage can cost us, and it costs Elijah. So he, um, after this moment, He prays to the Lord in this incredible scene and God sends the rain down and it's all going really well for the kingdom of Israel. But Ahab has scooted off back home and he's told Jezebel, (laughs) he's told Jezebel, his wife, about how uh, the the prophets of Baal have been killed. And um, Jezebel, the the foreign princess, she says, may it be, you know, like your life is going to be like one of them. If If I've got anything to do with it, I am going to kill you, and so for Elijah, this is where it's personal. This is where it becomes personal. Before then, he'd been courageously doing what God had invited him to do, and now his life is at stake, and that's all he can see. And in 1 Kings 19, um, chapter uh, verse three, I, p- I apologize, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So. Elijah has had this huge, big moment, this huge success. He's been courageous. He stepped out in faith. And next minute, his life is in danger. Jezebel is going to attack him with the sword, and he runs. He does the run, just like we heard in communion about the the disciples who abandoned Jesus. Um, This is exactly what, what Elijah is doing. He's running away, and he goes to Beersheba in Judah. Now, I said before, the kingdom of Israel, which is in the north, um, that's where he was. He was a prophet to the kingdom of Israel. And he goes all the way down to the lower part in the divided kingdom to Beersheba in Judah, which is the southernmost outpost out, um, of that kingdom. It's like being in the mid-north um, mid coast of New South Wales. <laughs> and fleeing to Victoria, like the Mornington Peninsula. Like, I mean, geographically, the the scale is off, but you get what I mean, right? He's as far away as it's possible to be while still being in the land uh, that God has given um, the people of Israel. So there he is, and and he goes into the desert, he leaves his servant, and he goes a day's journey into the wilderness, and he sits down under a broom brush and prays that he might die. Uh, I've had enough, Lord, he says, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the the bush, the broom um, tree, and falls asleep. And um, the Lord, in his kindness and provision, sends an angel. And uh, the angel touches him and says, get up and eat. And when Elijah wakes up, he sees there's a jar of water and a cake of bread baked on coals right beside him. And so he eats and he drinks and uh, goes back to sleep. And the angel wakes him up again later, and there's another jar of water and another cake of bread and says, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So Elijah, um, in verse 8, gets up, ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. (sighs) This scene here with Elijah, he's had this huge high point of courage, he stepped out, God's responded, and now he is discouraged. His courage has fled, he is discouraged, and and he flees as far as it is possible to go. And friends, I want to say that when we are discouraged, sometimes we can do the same. We can flee from where we're supposed to be. We can run from the work, and we can go, and we can have our depression moment, we can have our desert moment under the, the broom tree. I want to say that the thing that happens to Elijah and what he does is actually really insightful. Uh, He has a sleep. He sleeps. Friends, when you have gone through something difficult and and God has done something in your life or or life has happened to you, one of the things that is so healing and so important is sleep. There is restorative power in sleep. In fact, it's one of the indicators that something is amiss in your life if your sleep starts getting fractured and troubled. If you're waking up in the middle of the night, usually it's a stress response, and actually it's an indicator that something's going on with your mental health. So sleep is, is very, very important. And he sleeps and rests and, um, and just enjoys that. And then God, in his grace and his provision, provides him this cake of bread and this water. I always refer to this as the take a break and have a cake moment in scripture <laughs> because sometimes when we are discouraged, we need to take a break and have a cake. And, uh, and that, is, that is so restorative. And um, it occurs to me that, that as, as Elijah does this, he, he takes care of his physical needs, um, which is very important. And he also takes care of his spiritual needs to know that God has provided all his need. And friends, we've just celebrated communion We've just had a time where we've come aside and we've had communion. And sometimes for us, when we are discouraged, like Elijah was, we need to not run away, but we need to draw closer to Jesus. Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. I am all you need. And we need to feast on what Jesus gives us and draw aside to be with him and rely on him as he supplies all our need according to, as God supplies all our need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And Elijah took the water and drank. And Jesus in John's gospel says, I'm the water of life. Come to me when you're thirsty. Come to me if you're thirsty. And rivers of living water are gonna swell up, rise up in you. Friends, when we are dis courage when our courage has been taken away from us, let's not be people who run away from Jesus. Let's be people who seek out Jesus, who seek out rest and who seek out what Jesus can do, what only Jesus can do. Let us be people who draw on the bread of life and the water of life and are replenished and ready to move on. So, then, the third part. Elijah then... Uh, decides to go to Horeb. Now, scholars are really confused about whether, which direction he should be fleeing, but um, if he's in southern uh, Victoria in terms of, you know, where he is, at this point, he's going to Horeb, the mountain of God, uh, which, I don't know, maybe, Tasmania? I don't know. Do their own, do your own uh, math there. But he's going away, away down, away from the kingdom of Israel where God has called him to be the prophet. So off he goes down there. It's, it's almost back to Egypt uh, because Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, also has another name. It's Mount Sinai. And you might remember Mount Sinai from reading Exodus. It's the mountain where the burning bush is, where Moses uh, meets God and there's the burning bush. And and after Moses brings God's people out of slavery in Egypt, they go to Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And that's where the Ten Commandments are. And and Moses hides in the cleft of the rock while God passes through same mountain. And that's where Elijah's meant to be. Um, That's where Elijah goes. And the reading that was read for us, where, where God comes out and says, what are you doing here Elijah, and this is a great passage, and often we read it, and I'm actually not gonna talk about the, um, the earthquake, and the wind, and the fire, and the still small voice. I'm gonna focus in a little bit on Elijah. Um, but Elijah says to God, oh, I've been so zealous for the Lord God Almighty, and they have rejected your covenant, they've torn down your altars, and, and your the prophets have been killed by the sword, and I am the only one left, it's me, I'm alone, and now they're gonna kill me too. And God does this miraculous display. Uh, I don't know if God was into 70s disco, but there's definitely earth, wind and fire moving through that mountain, right? And then of course, that still small voice. Maybe it's the sound of silence by Simon and Garfunkel. I don't know God's musical taste. But when we see Elijah respond, He sees the power of God. He's seen all through his life the provision of God. But when God does this, uh, what's known as a theophany, a a display of God's power in, 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 in real life in the Old Testament, he doesn't change. He actually just regurgitates the exact same thing. So he's gone to this mountain, and God said, what are you doing here? And he's had his list of complaints, and his list of problems, and his list of issues. And then God's done this incredible thing, and then God says, what are you doing here? And he just literally repeats verbatim, word for word, the same litany of complaints. I'm being zealous. They've rejected your covenant. They've put them to death. I'm the only one. They're going to kill me. Man. And so God then says to him, all right, here's what you're going to do, Elijah turn around and boomerang yourself back. Go back the way you came, all the way back up to the the kingdom of Israel, all the way back up, and you're going to anoint two kings who are gonna get the work done, and you're going to anoint or appoint a successor in Elisha, the prophet, and he says, and finally, you're not alone, Elijah. I've got 7,000 others. They haven't bowed their knee or or kissed Baal. You're not by yourself. And in this, God is letting Elijah into the plan. He's letting him into the plan of what's happening. I find it really interesting that in this scene here, even though Elijah has seen the hand of God, he's not changed. Nothing in Elijah has changed. He's still saying the same thing over and over to God. He God, he, He hasn't changed. And the situation back at home, that hasn't changed. Ahab's still on the throne. Jezebel's still threatening to kill him. The people of God are sort of seeing a bit of God's hands, but they're still in idolatry. Nothing in the circumstances changes. Life is still in danger. But God says to him, turn around and go back. Go back to where you belong. And here's the job, here's the task, here's who you're gonna be allied with And you're not alone, you're not alone. I've got 7,000 others. And church for us, sometimes we need to be encouraged, to have courage put in us. And sometimes for us as believers, we can be like Elijah. Elijah went back to what he knew. He went back to the place where Moses was. He hid, scholars say, probably in the same cleft of the rock hiding in that space, waiting to hear God's voice and saying the same thing over and over again. And Church, I want to ask, how many of us are doing that? How many of us have retreated back to a place of safety of what we know, a past experience of God, something we've seen God do in the past, gone back to that same place where it's safe, where we're hiding in the cleft of the rock and we've seen God's voice and we've heard his call and we're repeating the same prayer, the same thing over to God, my list of excuses of why I can't, why I shouldn't, anyone else but me. And we're repeating that over and over again to God. And how many of us need to take heart and to take action and to realize that just like God gave Elijah task and an ally and he's not alone that we have a task church we have a task God is inviting us to partner with him in the renewal and restoration of all things through Jesus Christ we have a task to do Jesus in Matthew 28 says go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and we've been led into this God has told us what to do Elijah was given Elisha as an ally. And we have an ally, more than another prophet. We have the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in each of us. Our comforter, our friend, who is gonna lead us into all truth. And we don't go alone. We go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's 7,000, which is not a huge number. It's not a huge number but it's a God number because it's got a seven in front of it, so I'm clinging to that. And Elijah's got to go back in there. And we're not alone, church, together as a body with churches in our area, churches in our region, churches across the world. We need to get off the mountain sometimes and stop repeating the same things to God and take heart and take action and go back into the fray and be courageous. Because, just like Mark Twain said, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the judgment that something is more important than fear. And for Elijah, it was so important that he go back into the northern kingdom of Israel and bring the hearts of the people back to their God because God had a plan to save the world through Israel. And church, nothing is more important than people's eternal relationship and destiny in Jesus. In a hundred years from now, it's not gonna matter what car you drove. It's not gonna matter what house you live in, where you went on your holidays. None of that's gonna matter what you ate, although that's really important and good. But what is going to matter? Is are my children gonna be with the Lord? Are their children walking with the Lord? My neighbors, my friends, Are they going to be people who are known by Jesus, who are loved by Jesus and who love him? Are they going to be people who are alive in Christ? And that's what is going to matter. So friends, some of us need to get off the mountain. Some of us need to take heart and take action and go into the fray once again and speak truth to power and be truth tellers in a way that is loving, in a way that is kind, because nothing is more important than that mission that God has put us on, which is to share the gospel with the world. I'm gonna invite the worship team to join me, and um, as they do, I'm gonna ask you um, to just get into an attitude of prayer. Um, We're gonna be singing about the greatness of God, God who is great, God who is powerful, and God who goes with us. And and as we sing, I want to invite you to to sing and pray at the same time, and and bring before God what it is that He's placed on your heart. If you think, you know what, I'm in that place of courage, and and I'm the troubler of Israel, like like Elijah, then bring that before God and ask Him to help you to, to, to be the trouble in a good and a holy and right way. If you're feeling like you're discouraged and you're, you're in the desert and you've run away and, and you just need to, to eat of, of the bread of life, Christ, and you need to drink of that living water of Christ then and, and just rest, then in this, in this worship time, let's just rest in him and ask him to fulfill all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And if you're on the mountain, if that's you this morning, if you're on the mountain, you're hiding in the cleft of the rock and standing in the things that God's done in the past and you can hear the call of God on your life and you know what it is and you need courage, let me ask you to ask God because God gives generously to all who ask. James 5:17 says, Elijah was a man just like us and yet he prayed it would not rain and it didn't. So church, will you stand with me and we're going to pray and then we're going to sing. Stand with me. Online two. Stay with me. Loving God, we thank you that you call us to a life of significance and a life of courage and a life where you will use us, every part of us, God. Holy God, we thank you for the example of Elijah, that you were with him in his courage, you were with him in his discouragement, and you encouraged him again. Lord God, thank you for what we have learnt. And Lord God, for those of us um, who are discouraged and under that metaphorical broom tree, right now, Lord God, I pray you will speak to us, that you will minister to us, that you will help us to feast on Christ and drink deeply of the living water that we might go on. For those of us who are speaking out in courage and speaking truth to power and being the good trouble. Lord, will you help us to do that in a godly way, in a way that reflects and honors you, in a way that shows the the fruit of the Spirit that is in us. Help us, Lord God, to uh, make wise decisions and and be, be Jesus' disciples in that moment. And Lord, for those of us who need encouragement this morning, who are hiding in the cleft of the rock, who've seen God, but but we keep saying the same thing over and over, our excuses, our reasons why we can't, Lord God, will you speak to us? Will you open our eyes, Lord God? Will you help us to know, Lord Jesus, that, that it's you who goes with us, that we are not alone. We're not alone. We do this together, and we do it through the empowering work of your Holy Spirit in our lives god's church said amen We hope this message has challenged and strengthened you, encouraged you to pray and rely on God and blessed you today. If you'd like to get to know some of our church community, you can listen to the We Are The Church podcast, an open conversation with real people who call GBC home as they share stories of God at work in their lives and how their lives are being changed by Jesus.